Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We're dancing on the big desk. Here we go. Tim and friends. We. Don't say we. On Thursday, we I guess well. I'm dancing. I'm dancing. Me and Kev are not dancing. <laughs> it's Thursday, December 2nd here on Tim and Friends, which is kind of gross because it's already December. But oh. time flies when you're having fun, Deej. Jesse Rubinoff, Donovan Bennett, Kevin Mickey along for the ride today. We go until 6.30 Eastern on Sportsnet ahead of Hockey Central. And we got the full two hours on Sportsnet 360 today, Deej. Yeah, and you buried the lead. The, they let the young kids in yeah. here. Like, I evidently, yeah. the holidays have started early. The yes. execs aren't paying attention. Yeah. Tim's on vacation. We've Everyone's taken over the show. on vacation, I guess. Uh, well, hopefully over the last two weeks, you've been entertained mm. as we've tried to fill the void that mm. Timmy has left while well, he is, as we said, on vacation. Sandro Pay on the beach right now, <laughs> sipping a cold one. <laughs> but, nice. but that means we're going to be providing you with two hours of edutainment. And in order to accomplish that goal, we're going to need some help from our friends and from you. Uh, we've got a great guest lineup for your viewing pleasure today. How could you not have some good guests on with the three amigos in here today? We've got three down nations, Justin Dunk, for a little segment we like to call Dink and Dunk. I know that's t Timmy came up with that, but we're still going to use it because... We're he not, deserves it. We're not letting three amigos <laughs> slide. Like, that's, not, that's not happening. Uh, Michael Pinball Clemens maybe can give us a better nickname. Uh, he's going to join us ahead of Sunday's East Final. Mark Shifley of the Winnipeg Jets drops by. And the always fashionable Gurdeep Alwalia joins us mm -hmm. off of the announcement that he's joining the morning show on CHFI. We've got a roster now. Mm. of fashionable dudes. I was just going to ask you, like, do you think Gurdip? That's going to be my first chart? question for Gurdip is, do you think uh, Gurdip holds a candle to you? Is it a competition with you two? Who can dress, I don't want, I guess, the, the flashiest or the the most handsome? I wouldn't say flashy. Yeah. I, I don't, what's, you fill in the blank there. I don't know what word to use. but The cleanest? The cleanest. I, listen, mm, okay. I, I think I'm fashionable. Like, everyone thinks they're fashionable, but I, I really I thought you were going to say everyone thinks hard. I'm fashionable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you are. You're I mean, fashionable. He, no, no, not you. You're I mean, talking about right. yourself. Yeah, oh, no. and then me, the guy with the Alexis on fire Bart Simpson t-shirt. <laughs> Super fashionable. No, it suits it suits that position, though. Like, that's you, you dress down a little bit that's over right. there, I just, right? I just like to hang out. You look great. Yeah. yeah. You guys you look, can be serious. You so look I'm going to sit here wearing my Bart Simpson exactly. t-shirt, Alexis on fire shirt. Love it. The entire time. Yeah. Very handsome. That's very NBA walk-in. It's a good look. But uh, and let us know. Uh, maybe we should bring the megaphone out of retirement for this. Um, let us know online. Look, if you're looking at, and I'll throw the, some of the women in there as well, because Carolyn Cameron can dress with the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bukaskis. Are you going this direction of who's the best dressed at Sportsnet? Um, Faisal is in is the that conversation. Where this? Yeah, uh, Faisal is great. Elliot Friedman's power suits. The new acquisition. <laughs> the, the the chairman of uh, betting. Cabral Richards has his own bright color fashion sense. I'm just saying, it, 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 it is, the waters are deep. Uh, Ivanka had a full yellow suit on. Yesterday. Canary yellow. Yeah. I saw that. Mm. That was cool. Um, okay, before we get to first things first, Kev, uh, you have a special little segment on trading cards planned for later in the show. And yep. uh, all I want to ask you is, is the market for physical trading cards doing better than the top shot market? Because um, that one is going one way. And Kev... It's not up. It's not up. My portfolio is getting hammered, but as the kids say, we hodl. We're not selling. So is the physical trading market any better than Top Shots these days? There's a lot of selling. There's a lot of buying going on. Mm. Physical trading cards. As you'll see in the package later, oh man, is that market hot. 
you are trying, you are going buying cards, memorabilia, thousands of dollars exchanging hands, and a couple bucks coming into my hands as well. Mm. Little tease. You'll see what I mean later in the show. Was Ken Reed there? He was there. Yeah. We didn't. We didn't see him though. A lot of people there. Tons of people from Sportsnet, Sportsnet 590, the fan, running around. Ken, I saw his book everywhere. He's a whirling I, dervish. Yeah, it, it, quite, that's exactly yeah, what it a, was. Yeah, quite the whirling mean, dervish. Yes. I'm sure Ken was dropping his book off wherever he could. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. plugging it everywhere. All right, yeah. Okay, enough of that. Let's get to Kevin again. First things first. Kev, take it away, buddy. And again, I just try and see if I can do as well as one Jesse Rubin, oh, the, the king of the digital come producer on. role of sorts. Not Let's that hard. Not that hard. No, not at all. Wally Pip, not have you heard of him? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I just try and emulate Jesse. That's all I try and do here. Uh, we begin with a pair of Canadian teams and a pair of statement wins last night. Led by Austin Matthews' fourth career hat-trick, the Maple Leafs, they blew out the Colorado Avalanche 8-3. Meanwhile, Connor McDavid and the Oilers, they got the best of Sidney Crosby and the Pens. McDavid's four-point night, ho-hum, just another game for him, led the Oilers to a 5-2 win, their third in a row. Now, this topic has been talked about ad nauseum. Mm -hmm. We know the Leafs and Oilers have struggled for playoff success, but if one of these teams is going to get over the hump, which of these teams is going to do it? Donovan. I mean, I was going to say both, quite frankly. I mean, I guess they can't both yeah. No, you just alienate one fan base right away. You, you start. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to balance it out? So yeah, that exactly. The, the, the hate tweets are even? Listen, I, I just want to say to both fan bases, enjoy this. Mm. You're watching, in their primes, two of the most breathtaking offensive players who are continuing to get better. And actually, I, sh I said offensive, but Connor is playing a, a, a game in every zone right now uh, and is back-checking. Mm. Uh, last night was outstanding, but Matthews makes things that are very, very difficult look very, very easy routinely. And I know you've seen it in the regular season before, but I'm, I'm going to say, and I don't throw even the Calgary Flames in this conversation, there are three teams in this country playing so well right now that, based off of the sample size, you should believe they could be one of the last teams standing in the playoffs. I know there's a couple teams in the state of Florida mm -hmm. that have looked pretty good, but all you have is the information you have right now. So enjoy it. All bunch of people are like, let me wait till the postseason. But you should enjoy this while you have it. I didn't answer the question. There I'll you. answer the question. Um, so I have to qualify it because I'm not just going to answer it straight away. <laughs> Who would do that? Uh, I, we've obviously talked at length, as Kevin said, uh, about Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisel, how good the Oilers look. Uh, there's one thing that I think gives me reason to believe the Leafs are the team to answer this question. And that is the confidence that I have when I watch the Leafs in net with Jack Campbell. And the Leafs have found a different gear this season when it comes to their defensive play. In the past, they would try and outscore everybody, which has sort of been the Oilers' MO for a long time as well. But the difference this year is that Jack Campbell is giving them goaltending that they haven't necessarily had in a very long time. And the rest of the team has clamped down on defense. They are playing team defense. They have everything working. Now, the question is, can you parlay that into the playoffs? Maybe, maybe not. But from what we've seen, they are the stouter team defensively as of right now. And that's why I believe the team who's better suited for playoff success at this current juncture is the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I agree and I disagree. Okay. Because I agree that it is the Leafs. Yeah. If I have to answer, fine. Sorry, Alberta. However, we have talked in previous years on this show about the fact that the Leafs MVP 
was their goalie. Mm. Like, they've had good goaltending before. The difference for me, and yes, defensively around that goalie, they're much better. The difference is the balance in terms of where the offense is coming from because it was entirely shifted to those two lines, those top two lines. And if someone was hurt, saw in the playoffs last year, or a line had a slump, it was curtains. And, and now you're seeing balance scoring throughout all four lines rolling. It, they had 14 different leaps. crazy. With a point last night. Yeah. Mm. Now, when you score a lot of goals, that's going to happen, but still. And so I think it's the balance among the, the forwards that let me know this team is different. Because I think they've had good goaltending for a while. They, they've put their goalies out to dry in the past. And I don't see that as much this year. But I agree, but I disagree. Yeah, no. Um, what I will say about these two teams and the runs that they're on at this very moment we, we had to answer the question. I wanted to answer the question there. But the run that these two teams are on, it's not going to last forever. Okay? The Leafs are not going to win 15 of 17 probably in the next 17 games. It's probably not going to happen. These things have a tendency to balance out uh, over the long term. But bottle this as best you can. This is up to leadership. This is up to the coaching staff to try and find a way to say, okay, guys, this is the best of the best that we can play. We know what we are capable of, and what we're capable of is being atop the NHL standings. This is what we can do. So next time we lose three games, next time we lose four games in a row, and the fans are coming after us, in this room, we have to make sure that we remember what exactly we were capable of when we were on these runs. Because this is not a fluke. This is now 20-plus games into the season. These are two very good hockey teams. That is a fact. They're good hockey teams. So you need to find a way that next time things go a little south, can you harness it, still keep that confidence, and make sure you realize that you're a good team. It's a double-edged sword because if the Oilers and the Leafs weren't playing this well, people would say, oh, see? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What happened in the postseason last year is real, and we need massive changes. And they are playing well, and people are like, well, wait till the postseason. So you can't win right now. You can't. 100% of the fan base is going, there is a subsection of the fan base that is going to say, it doesn't matter what you do. We saw that in the answers in yesterday's poll question. It doesn't matter what they do. Wait until April. So it's interesting that you guys mentioned Alberta in general, and people are saying maybe don't ignore the Flames, guys. There's actually a lot of people uh, shouting out Tim and Fred's on Twitter right now where we asked which team is better built for the playoffs at this moment. We said, is it the the Leafs or the Oilers? And then we have a few people writing in to say, uh, we have old school fool who says, oh boy, as an Oilers fan, it kills me to say this, the Calgary Flames, Mm. Sutter Hockey, Daryl Sutter Hockey is designed for the postseason. And then quite simply, Scooby-Doo-Doo says the Flames. Flames. So there's a lot of Flames chatter still. I think Flames fans feeling like, don't leave us out. We are also a good hockey team in Canada. Now, I Can I t- just make a general Twitter rule, though? You absolutely may. If your handle is something ridiculous, I'm not saying it on air. Like, you lose <laughs> the privilege yeah. of saying on, on air. You're not going to have me saying Tough. Scooby-Doo-Doo. I didn't, I didn't pay four years of university to get a journalism degree to say Scooby-Doo-Doo. You didn't like Old School Fool. I, I did not like Old School no. Fool either. Put your real good name. Good takes, though. Good, great take. Yeah. But I'm not saying that. <laughs> uh, I just want to say thank you, Scooby Doob Doo, once again for writing in. Much appreciated. We're talking about good teams in Canada, there have been some bad teams. But don't look now. The Vancouver Canucks, they've won two in a row. Vancouver, they beat the Montreal Canadiens Monday night, finished off their five game road trip with a dominant 6 2 win over the reeling Ottawa Senators last night. Uh, I have an answer for this, but Jess, I'd like to start with you about what you think. Can the Canucks turn their season around? Is there time? Is there the pieces? What do you think? Uh, I think JT Miller's goal was sick yeah. last night. Yeah. Like dancing 
dancing through the Sens. And what I will say is that I don't think wins against the Montreal Canadiens and the Ottawa Senators, especially with the Senators in the current state that they're in, and even the Habs in the state that they're in too, I don't think that necessarily inspires confidence. But for the Vancouver Canucks, you certainly need to take your wins where you can, literally and figuratively. And these two wins, maybe it says something we're in the room. They're like, okay, we can actually string something together here. But for me, I'm looking at this team, and, and it's been a struggle for a significant period of time. And I don't think beating the Montreal Canadiens and the Ottawa Senators changes that. Well, I know that beating the Canadiens and the Senators – are not going to save people's jobs. No. Yeah, it's not that's, get... that, that was going to be my follow-up. Maybe it doesn't save the season. Does it save a job, Donovan? For now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got the six-game homestand coming up. We'll see how you come out of that. But the, the, the pressure is still real. You, you don't get points for beating teams that are worse than you are when mm-hmm. the expectations for those teams, given the health in Montreal and given the rebuild in Ottawa, were not where they were for you. So... No, I, I, I don't think it really changes the long-term uh, outlook on the franchise. Guys, can we uh, put up their next six games graphic again one more time? Because uh, I think we're going to learn a lot about the Vancouver Canucks. As much as we can try and uh, say something about these wins against the Montreal Canadiens, like this is going to be interesting for the Vancouver Canucks here. you got the Penguins, the Bruins, obviously a good team. Jets in a little bit of a funk right now, but many people pick them to be uh, one of the better Canadian teams this year. Hurricanes, obviously, a very good team. So I think you're going you're gonna to learn about the, a lot about the Vancouver Canucks in the next six games. I just don't think you can really learn very much about the Canucks beating the Habs and the Senators. The Senators, a lot, lot going on right now. There is a rumor that Eugene Melnick is entertaining offers to sell the team. There's a lot of people in Ottawa who are hoping that that may happen. Also wanted to touch on this guy, speaking of selling teams. There's a rumor coming out today, Forbes, it came from, that the Arizona Coyotes are for sale. And if they move, they're going to be moving to Houston. Now, Sportsnet reached out. It was Elliot Friedman, others. They say, no, that's not happening. That's what the Coyotes are saying. They say, this is false. Absolutely false. Uh, totally false. We're not selling. We're not moving. The Coyotes are 100% committed to playing in Arizona. Guys, how long? We've been talking about this for a long time. Was Arizona moving? What do we think? Well, um, I'm not going to go against Elliot Friedman because why would I do that? That would make me look very silly. But oftentimes where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm. And that's what I'll say about the Arizona Coyotes situation. For a long time, it hasn't worked there. There have been arena issues for years and years and years. And it almost seems like it would be in the NHL's best interest if something did happen and they were moved out of Arizona. Hard truth is oftentimes in life, people are as faithful as their options. Mm -hmm. And when you have better options, you make different decisions. And so if Houston became uh, a much better option with a nice new arena and some new corporate money, then do I think there's any loyalty to the state of Arizona? No. no. So, I mean, the, the answer could be false for now mm-hmm. un- until uh, it's put on the market and maybe people start to sniff around and show some interest. But it, the reason the question is being asked is because it hasn't proven to be a strong market in the short or long term. So it, we're going to continue, to your point, Kevin, to have this conversation. <laughs> It's, it's apparently, as Elliot Friedman pointed out on the Jeff Merrick show today on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, it's, for Gary Batman, it's a last resort option mm. to move a team. Similar with moving the Atlanta Thrashers to Winnipeg. That was a last resort for Batman. I think it's going to have to come down to that again. Leaf fans are certainly hoping that that story is true 
and Arizona moves out of Arizona. Yeah, and great then point. Austin Matthews doesn't have somewhere to go. Great point. Doesn't have somewhere to go to his hometown. So uh, you know who's not going anywhere right now. Who's that? That's anybody who's associated with Major League Baseball because we are officially in an MLB lockout meeting. No trades. Nothing for the foreseeable future. Uh, reports uh, our negotiations this week produced little movement leading to the first work stoppage in 26 years. Main sticking point, players want to reach free agency sooner. Commissioner Rob Manfred, he addressed the media earlier today. It's important to keep perspective on the lockout issue. The lockout is part of the process that's designed to move the parties towards an agreement. Despite the lockout, we remain ready to bargain whenever the Players Association wants to bargain, and we are steadfast in our desire to get a new agreement. Mm, there's a man that really I can trust right now. <laughs> How optimistic are you guys that a deal is going to get done before the start of the season? Not optimistic. I mean, you said you don't want to go against Elliot Friedman. I don't want to go against Jeff Blair. Jeff Blair in that first chair, seat, yeah. was very optimistic. However... Uh, MLB sometimes doesn't follow this thing I like to call logic at all. And we're very steadfast at bargaining and getting agreement. You, you had a conversation for seven minutes. You can't even make an order at a fast food restaurant in seven minutes. Never mind. So, no, they, they don't want a deal now. Deadlines make deals. And so maybe when we get closer to a deadline... And we might miss some games, we'll get a deal. But we missed games in the middle of a pandemic, which gave everyone a, a shortened season. Uh, they missed the World Series, although it was a long time ago. It still happened in my lifetime. I still remember it. So if this came from another commissioner and he was talking about talking to another PA, maybe. But the relationship has been acrimonious for the entire history of the sport. Yes, so literally. I'm not confident that they're going to get a deal done. No, and the fans are the big losers here. It's, I find it hilarious how, as humans, and you mentioned the deadline, as human beings, even when you're in university and you got an essay, <laughs> and you have a deadline, but you don't start it till the night before. Why? Because that's just what we do, right? That's just what we do as human beings. And MLB and MLBPA is no different. They knew that this, they had a date. They knew there was going to be a lockout if they didn't do anything. And they're meeting for seven minutes, like you said. They are procrastinating. Until it affects the bottom line, they are not going to do anything. So up until February, it doesn't really matter. But the fans are sitting here and they're saying, we don't care about this because we have millionaire players, like billionaire owners, and we don't want to pick sides. We just want you guys to play baseball. Like, they're complaining. Like, I understand that the, the, the minor leaguers and the lower echelon and the middle class of Major League Baseball players get screwed in this whole thing. I understand. But from the average fan's perspective, when the Texas Rangers spend $500 million on two guys in one day, basically, 24 hours, how do you think the fans are going to look at that and say, there's a problem? How many fans are going to think that there's a problem? You have to actually read articles and deep into the processes and the situations of what's happening in the minor leagues and at the lower level of baseball players to actually care and have sympathy for this. Just get it done. Fans are going to be alienated by this. Well, I look at this in a slightly different way, although everything you said yeah. is exactly correct. What baseball doesn't understand, which the NFL and the NBA have figured out, is that there's no such thing as an offseason. 
Like you are in the attention economy if you want to compete Correct. in this marketplace. You want to be on all the time. And for the last couple days in Canada, where we got some hockey teams going well and not so well, NFL season, Grey Cup on the way, Vanny Cup on the way. Mm -hmm. We were talking a lot about baseball, how fun the offseason was, the, the signings that are coming going into this country. And now we have a photo of Rob Manfred not looking impressed with a mic that's way too low. And like that's, not, like this. that's like what we're doing. doing. Yeah. And so for the next few months, no one's going to be talking about new arms in the bullpen or potential rule changes that they got to deal, what the universal DH might look like, or expanded playoffs. All of these things that would have been good to keep the baseball conversation going, we're going to be talking about service time and who said what and who's a, a good faith negotiator. Mm. That's not good for your game. No. So instead of blaming some of your star players for not wanting to do interviews, like when you threw Trout under the bus, figure it out. Help us help you. And this is not marketing your sport. It's just so bad. Like, he knows it's bad for business. He said it's bad for business. Fix it. The, the Toronto Raptors needing to fix something as well. They're back in action this evening as they take on the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee coming off a nail-biting win against the Hornets last night. Giannis Tedekupo, eh, casual 40 points, including a clutch game-winning layout. Meanwhile, the Grizzlies, they keyed it on stopping Fred Van Vliet in Tuesday's game, limiting him to just 13 shots for 15 points. Just 13 shots. Who needs to step up for the Raps to get back on track, guys? Everybody. That's the answer. That's the answer. Absolutely. I'll say this briefly, and then I'll pass it to you. I think... Raptors fans have champagne taste and they yes. forgot what building is like and it's painful and it's arduous and young players make mistakes but I think you're also realizing real talk that Kawhi left and his, his brilliance was obvious mm -hmm. uh, but they were pretty good after the fact they figured it out Kyle Lowry left and his brilliance was not as obvious other than his hustle but he did so many intangible things that you cannot quantify and when they're gone, you can't exactly put your finger on it, but they kind of look the way they look. And so I think collectively they'll go throughout the season. It'll be a fun team to watch. But this is what rebuilding without a pure A-list superstar looks like. They're going to need somebody to step up, and it's probably going to have to come from the bench because the starters are all, already playing what, an absurd amount of what, minutes. What bench? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the bench are the starters now. That's part of the problem. But if you're playing guys like Malachi Flynn, who's been waiting in the wings for a couple years, uh, Delano Banton had a really good start of the season, kind of fallen off a little bit. Scotty Barnes has had obvious rookie up and downs, ups and downs. But in order to get in the thick of the East here, you can't just rely on Fred and Pascal and OG when healthy because that's not enough to compete. In the East. The East is too competitive. You can't have these guys playing 40 minutes a night. It's not sustainable. And Someone on that bench, and I'm looking at Chris Boucher too. He's not getting the run, but that's because he hasn't been playing well. So if you start shooting the ball a little bit better, that's somebody that could really help turn things around for the Raptors. Fred Van Vliet leading the NBA in it's minutes crazy. per game right now. OG yeah. Ananobi, while injured, he's second. So those guys are filling up stat lines at least. You know who is not filling up stat lines? Duncan Robinson. Yeah. All uh, right. Sam Mitchell, anything to say on that? We had guys in that had a stat line, zero, 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 zero. That's an all-time soundbite. So an absolute all-timer. It is, because he said guys, plural, like multiple players. <laughs> that is a brutal stat line. I mean, he's got basically one job, and that's come in and hit threes. 
and he went over. I mean, tough night. That's going to happen. But 20 minutes and doing absolutely nothing is, is bad. Remember when really he was bad. supposed to be the big piece coming back in a yeah. potential Kyle Lowry trade? That's it's just so good. They didn't want to give him up. <laughs> they want to give him up. Tyler Hero has been a little better than Tyler Hero. Uh, okay. Still to come here on Tim and Friends, the Jets. Mark Shifley joins us to discuss the Jets' start and a community project in the fashionable Gurdip Alawalia on his new gig in the Rogers family. And the always smiling, always energetic, Michael Pinball Clemens, ahead of the Ticats and Argos on Sunday. And up next, huge, huge weekend of Canadian football, Justin Dunk. Dink and Dunk joins us live from the Vanier Cup in Laval as we talk Vanier and the CFL. It's Tim and Friends, baby. Let's go. Leafs 2017 Stanley Cup final tickets. I'll have to check to see if they were in that. Cam Neely. Yep. That is not worth very much. Literally, I think a big piece of the process is trying to make proposals, have conversations, make suggestions that could lead to that breakthrough that shows you the way. Mitchell Bowl. This has been an absolute blowout mismatch between the OUA and the AUS. A simply dominating performance from Western. 61-6, that's the final. Greg Marshall will head his Mustangs to the Vanier Cup for a record 15th time. We are ready to rock in the 2021 UTEC Bowl. They're going to need a big play in this moment. 11 seconds left, second and five. Can he get his team to the Vanier? They'll hand it off. Mackhart cuts it back, looking for the end zone. Touchdown Huskies! Oh my goodness. The green and white shines bright tonight in Montreal. The Ticats and Alouettes, it is snowy, it is playoff time. So he looks deep into the end zone for Brandon Banks. Touchdown! What a day for the Tiger Cats. Thoroughly dominant. The Ticats are BMO bound. A beautiful late November day in Regina. Mosaic is rocking. It'll be a 34-yard attempt for a West semi-final victory. Lothar, the hold is good. The kick is up, and the Raiders are going to Winnipeg. Thrilling finish to an absolute classic. What a time to be mm. alive for Canadian football fans. What a weekend it was in Canadian football. And another great one to look forward to. We got the CFL East and West Finals uh, and the Vanier Cup all on top. And here to discuss it all with us is Justin Duncan. Dunk. Jesse, this, this fool, wants me to call this segment Dinks and Dunks. This is what I'm we do, Dunk. Do. This, is, this, is, this segment is clearly it's Dink and Dunk. No, it's Dunk University is what it is. <laughs> Whatever we call oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, he likes that. He likes that. Uh -oh. he likes that. We've, got, we've, got, we've got a winner. We'll have to that ask is Tim. Really good. We'll have to get well, Tim's clarification. Somehow you, you've gotten into practice and are got cameras going because you know how coaches are before a big game. It's like no media, no, no cameras. You got both. So thank you for joining us uh, in Quebec City. But when you think of, before we actually talk about the X and O's, let's actually just talk about the fact that we're talking about playing football. Like this time last year, mm -hmm. we weren't handing out championships in either sport, U sport or the CFL. When you think of the fact that we're back, what comes to mind? Honestly, it feels a little surreal, man. And the teaser all coming in there with the plays that were made last week in both U sports and the CFL. 
just make your hair stand up, man. Like it, as a guy that played university football, just like you, Donovan, it means so much to us, of course, but then you can really sense the excitement in Quebec city. And to be honest, across Canada for football to be back on the field and for it to be played in the winter. So a lot of people here just jacked up ready for the games. Uh, Justin, Western Saskatchewan, uh, Donovan told me earlier today that he played under Greg Marshall, and Greg Marshall was the offensive coordinator at Western. All this guy does is win, Dunkster. So what is the recipe? What's in the water over at Western that makes Greg Marshall teams just win? The common denominator is Marshall, and Donovan will attest to this, that what they do there in terms of developing the offensive linemen, and they always have running backs ready to roll downhill. But specifically, I feel like the offensive line doesn't get talked about enough there at Western because these dudes are developed, and then when it comes their time, they're ready to roll. And then, like right now, you have Keon Edwards, who led the nation in rushing. Trey Humes would start on any other team, probably in the OUA, maybe even the country. You would argue there's some legit dudes in Canada West. We'll get to Adam Mackard in a minute, but then you roll Edward Wynotti, who's like Jesse Lumsden 2.0 in terms of body type out there. He goes for 200 yards in the second half of the Mitchell Bowl. So they always have dudes. Donovan knows what it is. And to me, it's Marshall and the compete level that he instills. He respects the players. He wants them to work hard. But all the players know that if they don't play well, there's a guy that's maybe on the scout team that might be just as good, if not better, if they get that chance to play. The team that they're facing and is practicing uh, behind you, uh, you know, you gave them a cosign. You gave them a little bit of validation earlier in the year and saying that they should be atop the U Sports standings. They get to the Vanier Cup uh, to make sure that your cosign was correct. You know, leading at the at the end of the game and it was off of you know the legs of Macar. Talk to me about the future CFLers. They have up front on that O line, led by a, a real you know coach, as well, who was a CFLer himself. Scott Flory, a Hall of Fame CFL offensive lineman, won multiple Grey Cups. He has multiple Vanier Cups as a player as well. And oh, by the way, that's the last time Saskatchewan won a Vanier Cup is when Flory was an All Canadian offensive lineman for the Huskies, and really it starts up front with them. Noah Zare, a big physical left tackle. Nick Summick, an Edmonton Elks draft pick on the right side. Connor Berglaff is an Ottawa Red Blacks draft pick. So they have three dudes that have legit CFL potential. And you mentioned him, Adam Mackhart is an absolute stud. And for people who tune into the game on Saturday, you'll see Matt You might think he's undersized, but he packs a punch. He's ultra quick, and he has great vision, and he knows how to set up his blocks. He did that on that touchdown run in Montreal, and the dude is fresh. They put him on a, quote, pitch count all year long after he rushed for over 1,300 yards in 2019 to set a school record, obliterated the Huskies' program record for single-season rushing, but he's ready to rock. He said, Two straight 20-plus carry games, over 200 yards in the Hardy Cup, over 150 yards in the UTEC Bowl, so he's ready to go. Uh, it's the Vendée Cup just one half of the Canadian football extravaganza that football fans are going to have uh, on this side of the border this weekend. Uh, when you look at the CFL playoffs in the East Final, you look specifically at the Ticats and the Argos. Everybody makes such a big deal about this rivalry, but they actually haven't played that often in the East Final. This is just the second time they've met in the last 35 years. Um, what I want to know from you, based on what we know about home field for the Toronto Argonauts, are they going to have much of a home field advantage when it comes to the East Final this Sunday, Dunk? 
No, all the talk in Tiger Town is going down there and taking over BMO Field. And I think it'll be louder when the Tie Cats make plays. Now, the Argos are clearly trying to pack the place. They're getting out on social media, trying to push tickets. They even sent an offer to us at Three Down Nation trying to push it out there to get people in the stands. So they want to pack the house, but it's going to be full of those fans right there in black and gold, loud and proud. I think it'll be a Tie Cats home field advantage in Toronto. So I love the fact that you mentioned the fans because when you look at these two teams in the East, going into the season, I don't know if either fan base was as confident maybe in these quarterbacks as the others on the depth chart. But here we are with both of them, you know, one win away from going to the Grey Cup, but also both of them, you know, a couple games away from free agency. When you break down the quarterback matchup and what this performance might mean for their stay in the league and in their own locker rooms, what do you think? Lots at stake here, clearly, for the here and now, but also for the future, as you alluded to. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, I really believe, has gained the trust of that Argos front office and the coaching staff and Ryan Dinwiddie. Let's remember. The Argos paid Nick Arbuckle $150,000 up front. Now, in many other sports, I get it. It's chump change, but in the CFL, it's not. They did everything they could to allow Arbuckle to take over the number one role, but Macbeth, as I like to call him, slayed him and took it away. So I think they're going to roll with McLeod Bethel-Thompson no matter what happens in this game because of that first place finish in the regular season. As far as it goes for Jeremiah Masoli, there are some people in the league who feel like he's getting up there in age. He's a little more beat up now, had the ACL injury in 2019. But he looks like he's coming into his own, and the Ticats offense hasn't been as dynamic because they changed some guys up front on the offensive line, namely Mike Filer, the center left, and that changed a lot of things because Darius Sirocco had to learn all the calls. Brandon Banks is clearly not himself this year although we saw a flash of it in the east semifinal and tim white is a guy that i look to that Masoli's developing this rapport with white was a guy that was literally like a couple inches and maybe a foot away from going to the olympics and triple jump in the united states so we're talking about a super athletic dude that's speedy that i think could be the game changer in the east final over in the west justin uh the bombers of the four teams left are overwhelming favorites to win they're the only team that's not plus money uh, to win the gray cup so they're huge favorites. Should they be? Of course they should because their general manager graduated from the University of Wealth. Oh. Right, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but Kyle Walters has put together a great group over there. And I remember, you know, as I was with them at the U of G, he said it's pretty simple. you got to dominate the line play. That's what the Bombers do. Stanley Bryant, Jamarcus Hardrick are my picks for the all-star tackles at the league level in the CFL. Then you go to the defensive line. Willie freaking Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat, those two towers and monsters come at you. There's Jeffcoat. He's got a seven foot wingspan so Cody Fajardo good luck trying to score your first touchdown in a playoff game in the West final the first time it's been in Winnipeg in like 50 freaking years against these guys they're so charged up and oh by the way you got to go against Adam Big Hill as well who in my mind is going to win the most outstanding defensive player in the CFL he got my vote and behind him Brandon Alexander will come down and knock your jock off so these guys are going to be jacked up to play in front of that crowd it's going to be difficult for the Riders. Yeah, I don't want Brandon Alexander knocking out. <laughs> Tim so I'm just going to here not too long ago. I blacked out after he said, you know, U of G, because I can't remember. Are they playing this weekend? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, they haven't been shots. playing for a couple weekends. Uh, listen, thank you, Don. And actually, now, now we, we, we've named the segment after you uh, because you've done so. So there you go. <laughs> Look at that. You dunk. Dang it. There we you go. Quick. Get, we merchandise is coming. Oh, dink and dunk and think of the past. <laughs> dunk University, it becomes. Uh, Justin, thanks. Enjoy LeVac. 
Val, and enjoy what's going to be an awesome weekend of Canadian football. Chat soon. You bet, guys. Appreciate you. All right. We'll keep the football talk going after the break as Argos general manager and all-around <laughs> incredible person, Michael Pinball Clemens, joins us. And we'll see how he's feeling ahead of the East Final with the rival Ticats coming to town. Probably wouldn't like what Dunk had to say about the home crowd or home field advantage. Uh, Tim and Friends continues. Donovan, Jesse, Kevin. Keep it locked. And eventually Pinball. Yes. <laughs> Welcome back to Tim and Friends, and we're now joined by a man that we call friend. Mm. Uh, we look up to, maybe not literally, but figuratively, uh, <laughs> but a man that I, 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 I want to be like so much that I just try to impersonate him when I can. Just, oh, I just that's want to love him, right? Because when I ask him how he's doing, he's always smiling. He says, better than I deserve. Well, <laughs> we are luckier than we deserve to have Michael Pinball Clemens join us. Hey, Peter, how are you? Donovan, I'm doing great, man. Yes, and uh, great to be on with you. Jesse, how are you? I'm doing very well. How's the holiday season going? I know it's not here yet, but a uh, couple weeks. It's coming. How's it going for well, you? You know, you, you know I, I think, you know, where we live in this great country and the, the condition, the opportunity that we have, um, uh, every day feels like a holiday. Well, everything you say feels like a Hallmark card. So uh, <laughs> we need to focus on the football because that is the holiday for us in this country right now. We've got the Western and Eastern semi er, final, uh, Grey Cup next week. And you don't have to leave Ontario to get to that Grey Cup. It is in BMO in the East. What are you expecting in terms of the spectacle around the game on the weekend? Well, I, I, I expect these teams, uh, they know, we know each other so well. We played uh, against each other four times already this year. Uh, and uh, it's been a pretty evenly matched. We've won three to one, but they had a lopsided win. And, uh, and we also had one win that was a little bit better. Uh, um, and, and so, uh, but, but these two teams, uh, highly competitive. And, you know, I would say that from our standpoint, we feel like we're, we're maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. Uh, we, we still feel like until we beat these guys in the playoffs, they're the better team because uh, they were picked uh, to, to, to be first in the East and potentially even the league. Uh, they, they, they went to the Great Cup the last time uh, that we took the field and, and, uh, and they have a talented, talented football team so uh, uh don't say it out loud but we have a lot of respect pinball it's impossible to talk to you and and not smile uh your energy is infectious and your speeches are legendary so what i want to know from you is are you going to say anything to the team are you going in the room before the game on sunday what are you going to say to the players if you are in fact going to say something all right, good. So, so no, I won't. I won't do that on Sunday. I, I really love our head coach to control the room, right? And uh, uh, and whatever tempo uh, he places there, he's done such a phenomenal job. Ryan uh, Dinwiddie, of course, uh, is our uh, new head coach, and I say new because this is his first time <laughs> as coach and as his first time as a head coach he's been voted as the nominee for uh, the uh, most the, the, the best coach in the he's been uh, nominated as the best coach in the east and, and for the best coach in the league the M MVP of coaches if you will and so we're so proud of him uh, his maturity this guy works so hard he puts so much time in he's so diligent over this uh, pandemic as we've gone 
through. Uh, we, we were on uh, pretty much every week, several times a week, and uh, he just led that charge uh, and, and is such a hard worker. He has, he's earned everything that he's gotten. Well, you've led the charge in terms of, you know, growing the game in our country. And I was talking to, you know, Brad Fay uh, about the fact that when we were kids, uh, when you were playing in the schoolyard, people were wearing CFL jerseys. When I went to play rep football, I, you know, it was a fight to get number 31 because everyone wanted to be pinball. I, w I won that fight, but, you know, I, I didn't play like you did on the field. But when you look at transferring that, to today's generation and having that same level of loyalty and association with a young fan base as you're leading an organization. How do we do that so that the game is still as loved in this country? Oh, I think it is. Our guys are so personable, so impressionable. Uh, we need to do a greater job uh, of communicating uh, who, who the, the players, not, not just saying we have a game, not just saying that they play a position uh, or they do this, but really getting uh, to know the people themselves. And, and uh, we certainly have some ideas about how we can do this here and uh, with social media the way it is and the virtual connections that you can make. Uh, I, I, I don't think we are as far as uh, people may think. And, and I think that, um, you know, the it's it's taken a while for us to to really um, get the understanding of where we are and where we need to go. Uh, but as we get better at this, I, I think you you potentially we'll see um, even stronger relationships today in the game today because of the way we are able to communicate. Uh, Pinball, you guys finished in first in the division, but you mentioned earlier that uh, Hamilton was the preseason favorite to finish first in the East by a lot of people, and that's because they're a really good football team. So getting into the, the nuances of the actual game, how do you beat a team like Hamilton on Sunday? We pray. <laughs> <laughs> well you're gonna do that anyways <laughs> so, so yeah i mean you, you be honest and you start where you start right and and uh um and uh consistent with that i mean we we you know in a game like this uh you have to limit your mistakes right because uh if you if you make too many mistakes if you turn the ball over if you have penalties those kind of things um it, it can become a long hill trying to uh, trying to beat a team like this. And, and uh, but again, right, uh, the, the idea here is the game has not changed. It, 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 yes, we're one game away from the cup. Yes, it's a it, it's a, uh, a playoff game. So it's win or go home. But the reality is, is we're still playing football. And and many times in a game like this, you kind of think, oh, I have to do this. And I no, let's prepare. Let's do the things that we've done all year and prepare to play the best game we've played all year. And if we can do that, we'll certainly have a chance. Well, you've done it, and you've done it in multiple roles. You've obviously done it as a player and as a coach. You've been a president before. Now in this GM role, how has it been? And mm. what, if anything, would it be like maybe different at all to do it in this role specifically? Um, this role itches. Now you say, where are you going there, right? Um, <laughs> um, 
yeah, when you when you play on the field, you feel like you have a direct outcome on what happens, right? When you're coaching, uh, you don't feel that, like you have as much input, but you can talk directly to the guys, right? And when you're the GM, you sit up in a booth. And today with protocols, we can't even go down at halftime. And, and so I, uh, I just sit and I itch. Yeah, so like uh, and and you know a little bit tongue in cheek there uh you know the biggest thing i think here is is trust right we uh work hard together to try to put the best team we can on the field the best players when we have injuries you know we try to fortify the team and and to get those things done and then it's it's a trust relationship that we have and uh so we trust uh that our players and coaches are going to execute and and so this 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 position i would say more difficult than the others though because um you're not necessarily direct, although you're having a huge influence on the product because you're choosing the coach and you're mm. choosing the players, right? But there comes a point when you're on game day where it's it's hands off and, and you have to trust your group to get it done. And we trust our guys 100%. Pinball, thanks so much for taking the time. And if things, for whatever reason, are going south in the first half, you got to get down to the locker room and you got to give one of your legendary speeches, okay, at halftime. But hopefully oh. for you, things will be going better than that. Oh. You're going up to do it. It's so kind, guys. I really appreciate it. And we, we, uh, we're looking forward to Sunday. Well, if, if I could, just very quickly, get there early uh, because there are all the protocols and things that they have to go through. So uh, 90 minutes before is when the gate opens. Uh, we've had a couple of um, events that happened here where people didn't get out, get into the event until late. So let's let's try to make sure because uh, the stadium is, is um, the, you know, they're already at a, a number that's 20,000. Uh, and uh, so we really want people uh, to, to not to miss uh, this opportunity. So please get there early. Awesome. People, listen to Pinball. Pinball, good luck on Sunday. Thanks. Thank you so much, Jesse. All right, we'll see you. Uh, time for a break. On the other side, the Jets. Mark Shifley stops by. We'll discuss the Jets' start this season, his involvement in a new community initiative, and we may have a game involving goats since he has pet goats. We'll do it. Mark Shifley, next. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. How can you not? How can you not dance to the Sheepdogs? I don't know if that qualifies as dancing. Whatever. It's your turn to talk. How can you not <laughs> dance better? <laughs> like you've literally, how long have you been on the show? Dude, like. You practice five days a week. Well, what do you want me to do? Like, what do you want me to do? I'm basically stapled to this chair. There's nothing I can do. Get you better just move your arms. stop is what I want you to do. Thank you, Sheepdogs. Uh, thank you for sitting through that. Uh, <laughs> back here for hour number two on Tim and Friends, Donovan Bennett and Jesse Rubinoff here with you, along with Kevin Mickey, who thankfully is not dancing. Uh, Tim will be back next week. Yeah, he will. Uh, but we've got a lot here coming up on the show. Gurdip Alawalia stopping by, the fashionable Gurdip Alawalia, and Mark Shifley coming up in just a couple minutes. But first, the news of the day. Major League Baseball is officially in a lockout after the CBA expired last night. How long this will last, nobody knows, but there will be no player movement 
contact with teams or winter meetings in the meantime. Commissioner Rob Manfred held a lengthy press conference earlier today. Here's some of what he had to say. We are willing to continue to commit to the process to get to a fair agreement. If that involves making further concessions, it involves making further concessions. You know, I, just as a matter of perspective, you know, we proposed the elimination of draft choice compensation. This industry had a strike over that issue in 1985. That is a major concession um, that has been the source of friction as to how the free agency system has operated. Um, you know, I, I, we have made concessions. Yeah, settle in for a long winter on the baseball <laughs> yeah, front. Yeah. To hockey and admit struggles on the ice and a new GM search, the news for the Habs just got even worse. Brendan Gallagher and Sammy Niku were placed in COVID protocol today as the Canadians get set to host the Colorado Avalanche. Head coach Dom Ducharme says the players are symptom-free at this point. They'll both need two negative tests to come out of protocol, and the Habs are putting their players in a bubble. And the Blues have placed goalie Jordan Bennington in COVID protocol, and due to cap and LTIR issues, they can't add goalie Charlie Lindgren to the roster until tomorrow. So. They will start the Lightning's emergency backup goalie, Cal Conan, tonight in Tampa against the Lightning. David Ayers, anyone? <laughs> Here's Blues GM, E-Bug, Doug Armstrong on Conan. I talked to him uh, about 20 minutes ago. I had a good conversation. He had a morning skate today with his beer league guys, and he said he was on fire and ready to go. So we're excited to have him in here. Uh, he's excited, and it's just one of those things you just have to roll with. Yeah, so... Uh, the David Ayers situation is still something that gets talked about in Leafland ad nauseum. It's like, okay, it happened, but nobody is willing to move on from this thing. Like, people still talk about it, and probably always will, because when you think about it, it was actually pretty crazy. <laughs> well, it was, it's crazy because he you know, kind of worked for the team and yes. then kind of worked against the team. But, and I mentioned the issues and the cap ramifications around why you know, they have to go this route. Right. But I don't, know, I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if you feel the same way, Jesse. I don't know if you feel the same way, Kevin. Like, there's got to be a common sense fix to this so that we're not in a league where people are soon betting on it for real mm -hmm. and people are paying money to see a product. I know it's a fun, cute story, but can't we figure out a way that, like, when you are in a tough situation, especially in the world of COVID, that the best players in the world play hockey and we don't have someone who's yeah. going from a beer league skate to potentially playing in games that really, really mean something? I think that's a, a very good point because it's a cool story when it happens once, but when it happens more than once, it seems like it's an issue. And Elliot Friedman has been talking about this for a long while, but it doesn't seem like anything's actually been done. But in this age of COVID, like you mentioned, you should be able to manipulate the roster a little bit more so that you can have more goalies up with the team so that you're not faced with a situation like this. Like, realistically, we've seen a number of times already this season where goalies, the emergency backup goalie has been warming up and maybe doesn't get to sit on the bench, but sometimes he's sitting on the bench. It just seems like a situation where the NHL needs to get in front of it, be proactive. But like we've seen with Major League Baseball, sometimes leagues are extremely reactive and don't really do anything until it becomes a crisis. And I'm not sure this is quite labeled a crisis yet, so they're just kind of going to tie their hands behind their back and not do anything. 
I just, it, the air story was fun, it was cute, and it got us to talk about the fact that, yeah, like every game, there's a dude in the press box ready to play for either team, but the rest of the sports world was like, really, that's a thing? Mm -hmm. Like imagine in the NFL, there's just like a random beer league kicker in a box, and he was just going to be shuffled onto the field. Like, this only really happens in this sport. I suppose in baseball, you don't want to burn out your relievers so you get an, an infielder to pitch. But he's still um, someone making millions of dollars. He's still a high-level yeah. athlete. He's not coming out of the stands to do it. You know what I can't get out of my head? Your pinball impersonation. Yes. Did like oh where did where was the genesis you know, of that? Like where did that come I, okay, from? Where did question. that come from? Where yes, where you were like yes, I'm gonna try right, and imitate mm, pinball. Right. Yeah. Well, so I'll say a couple things. Right. Because we're if you can't tell we're filling time. Right? <laughs> um, COVID has been difficult. Right. Because I'm a lover. I want to hug you. I want to touch you. I want to feel you. I can't be pinball on Zoom. I can't be pinball from the screen. So when I was young. Jesse and Kevin, because I'm inclusive, I want to talk to both of you. <laughs> uh, he he came to my school, and he talked to us about being a star. You want to be a star. And that really resonated with me. So from then on, I wore the number 31. I tried to treat people nicely. I thought maybe I could be something of myself, even though I'm short, just like. So now, I just listen to him, and I try to impersonate him. Sometimes it goes a little south like it is right now. And I'm doing... I don't think that was going south. Oh, like, right oh, that was oh, very yeah. impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit the horns. Very, oh, very, yeah. very impressive. Yeah. 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 Kevin, you can clap too, Kevin. Don't be afraid yeah. to clap. Uh, when we were Only talking, one I could do the... were you surprised that uh, he's not going to go and, and give a speech? Because, like, you know as well as me, like, this guy's speeches, when he gets the energy flowing, like, the energy just courses through his veins. It's infectious for everybody. And I know he's got faith in... His head coach Ryan Dinwiddie to talk talk his team up, but like, get in there, pinball, get the boys fired up. I mean, yes, but you don't want to undermine authority. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, we yeah. have a crack staff that works on last call and first things first. And you didn't walk into the newsroom and start telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. Kevin was running the show because right. Kevin is right. running the show. So I get why you know he didn't want to. You know, be the, the big brother and, and give the speech. Mm -hmm. But maybe Great Cup weekend well, when it really matters. Yeah, that's why I'm not telling Kevin what to do, what tweets the show right now. But I know that we did send out a question earlier in the show. We talked about it off the top. Who's better built for the playoffs, the Leafs or the Oilers? Kev, apparently you have some answers for us. So here's the thing you need to do. You mm. need to go to at Tim and Friends. That's on Twitter.com. And then you can let us know which team is better built for the playoffs. Is it the Oilers? Is it the Leafs? Those are your two options, but we've also actually given you the neither. Now, there are a lot of people that wrote in, so let's get to it. We have MDB82, and he likes with the way that Campbell's played, that's going to take them further. And I think there's a lot of people saying that goaltending is a big key to this. Still the might. Maple Leafs probably have better goaltending than the Edmonton Oilers right now. Uh, more answers. Pretty as simple as this. Oh, wow. A flip of a coin. That's all it is. That coming in from JMP1299. Thank you, JMP1299. I will say the full name on air. <laughs> That's Donald. how I'm going to do my NFL picks this week. That <laughs> was well. also my plan. Uh, <laughs> Paul Paul. Let's go with Paul. I'm not going to try and pronounce that last name. Is this a trick question? I don't want to jinx it. And I think there's a lot of Leaf fans talking like that now. You talk to any Leaf fan around the city of Toronto at this moment, you say, the team looks really good right now, don't they? And they just say, oh, please stop, 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 stop. Don't say anything else. Let's just 
Donovan, to your point, let's just ride the wave a little bit. Yeah. And let's just try to focus. Good vibes let's, only. Let's just, let's just relax Listen, a you know who would love to have a graphic and be able to weigh in? Hockey fans in Ottawa and Vancouver yeah, and Montreal right point, now. Yeah. Like the fact that we're having this conversation great at this point is a win-win. So, I mean, I, I don't know why it has to be a, a one-sum game. I, I think the answer could be both. And I just don't want people to get mad at me. But I, I think they're both in great spots. And to many people, as you mentioned earlier, and Kevin, throw Calgary in there. We're saying yeah. Edmonton and Toronto because they played last night. Mm-hmm. So you're juxtaposing those two teams. But Calgary certainly is in that conversation as well. Uh, if we, Chris Kendrick wrote in, and uh, Jesse, speaking of gambling, yes. uh, any takers Uh-oh. on a bet per se? Because Chris oh. says he has $100 in, of them meeting in the NHL Cup Final. Whoa. Uh, any takers? 100 bucks on the Leafs and Oilers meeting in the Cup Final. Would you make that wager? What are the odds? Sprinkle a little something on just, it. Just, what are the odds? I think Chris is planning to pay you $100. If like they $100 do meet if you, and then what happens if they don't? I don't think Chris is very experienced in bookmaking. <laughs> so Chris, we're going to need, just... need more details, <laughs> just... okay? <laughs> Gambling's making a comeback here, so we're going to need more details than just like throwing a hundred dollars out there because there's like a lot of other teams in the league like Colorado a lot of people considered last night to be a bit of a potential this feels so weird to say and Leaf fans don't want to hear it but maybe a bit of a Stanley Cup final preview Leaf fans do not want to hear that no I I, Kev I could not believe it sitting in that chair yesterday and we sent out the Leaf question and every other answer or two of three or even three of four were wait till April wait till April and it's just, that's the vibe. Like, we're obviously in Toronto, so that's the vibe that you still get around the city. Like, there is a portion of the fan base that's enjoying it, as they should, but there is a massive subsection of this fan base that is, like, basically hate-watching the Leafs. Yes, like, that's what they're great. doing. They're hate-watching the Leafs, and they're like, well, I just know that they're going to disappoint me come April, so I'm just going to watch them because that's what I do, and that's what I do at night, but... For no other reason, because I know it's going to suck later. It essentially is the 2015, 16, 17 years are kind of fuzzy Raptors. Right. Where it was, yes. wait till you get out of the first round. Yeah. Wait to see what Dwayne Casey does with JV. It's very, very similar. I know. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. Because I, 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 I got to shout out uh, editor Tim Hagarillas, because uh, we have that. We had that for years. That exact banter. I'd walk by him in the newsroom, and it would, Raps would be playing really well, five-game winning streak, whatever. And we'd look at each other and we'd go, Wait till April. Because you just knew. Like, remember that Wizard series where they got swept and everyone was like, that's, they're done. That's it. As an organization, they're done. They fold in. Obviously, things went up from there. But, yes, a very similar path to the Leafs. Playoff failures. Look where they got. Yeah, true enough. Uh, time for a break. Oh, here we go. When we return, a new member of the Rogers family and an old friend, Gurdip Alawaya, joins us to discuss his new gig and some they got up here. Does he think they need to wait till April? We'll find out as Tim and Friends continue. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. And we've got some breaking news. Yeah, basketball news. Kev, hit us up. That's right. Big stuff here. Uh, Sham Strania of The Athletic tweeting out that uh, Lakers star LeBron James has been cleared from health and safety protocols to return Friday Mm -hmm. versus the LA Clippers. He, after testing positive, but since registering multiple negative COVID-19 tests. uh, And then in addition to that, some Raptors news. Raptors desperately in need of some reinforcements, and they are getting some in the form of Gary Trent Jr. Michael Grange telling us that he's in the lineup for the Raptors this evening versus the Milwaukee Bucks. So there you go. A couple of news items from the association. Very good news because my fantasy team needs that. Couldn't be, yeah, it couldn't be more important to have Gary Trent. And I guess LeBron 
because he's vaccinated, he just has to clear those two tests, two negatives, and then he's back in the lineup. Quick yeah. turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lakers need him, kind of. Unless, LeBron, <laughs> unless yeah. it's just like LeBron rules. It's like, yeah. Oh, it's LeBron's fine. Yeah. I call out of Silver. Just like, I'm playing on Friday. Okay. Uh, well, uh, maybe the, the LeBron of oh. CHFI. Where you're going. Oh, I like it. Uh, yeah, I now, like it. Uh, this show is, is Tim and Friends, but uh, maybe we should call it Tim and Family because mm. this guy is joining the Rogers family. He goes way back with many of us as he was a, the score teammate of mine, Gurdeep. Well, as a teammate, once again, shout out. First of all, um, like the announcement was crazy. There was a big thing at Hotel X. There was like confetti going everywhere. I think you came out of a present. It was literally a scene <laughs> from the morning show. Uh, and now I'm bearing the lead. Uh, the show is CHFI Mornings with Pooja and Gurdeep. So congratulations to you uh, and welcome, my friend. Hey, thanks a lot. Honestly, I, I watch uh, this show a lot. It's really cool to be on it. It's kind of surreal. And can we lower the expectations a bit? Like, let's not go with the LeBron. Of, <laughs> can I like, be the Anderson Verish hour of the mornings? Like, let's just start off like tight reference. You know, mid range. You're taking your talents to radio, <laughs> right? So, still early mornings. This is what I'm talking about. Like. Tracy yeah. is introducing you two, which is le the legit cosign. You've got confetti and well, people cheering. Yeah, and, that's a scene. Uh, a bespoke no. suit on. Like, th this, this is real. Like, no, we can't. T this is basically, you know, not four, not five, not six, not seven, is what this is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Oh, my God. You know what? It's better than my side gig in which I jump out of cakes. I'll tell you that much. It's a lot here. Um, the, the production value on this was awesome. Honestly, the, the station manager at CHFI, his name's Troy. He's an awesome guy. I don't know if you've met him. He explained this to us, and Pooja and I were like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, this sounds kind of weird. Like, I don't know if this is going to work. And then, sure enough, we got to the hotel on Sunday night, and we kind of had to sneak in because there was a bunch of CHFI contest winners who were staying there, and they didn't know who the hosts were going to be. So we kind of had to be confined to our rooms because we didn't want to run into any guests sort of in the lobby or sort of just walking around. And we, we kind of snuck up to the room for a rehearsal Sunday night, and we saw it. It was on the, the top floor of, uh, of Hotel X, and it was just gorgeous. We walked in, and we're like, all right, these guys know what they're doing. Mm. What, like, wait, 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 wait. You're, like, temper the expectations. They're smuggling you into a hotel. You're coming into the Drake entrance because paparazzi <laughs> can't see you. That's like, literally what they do for LeBron. Yeah. Uh, there was no Drake entrance. I didn't even offer the valet. It was very, uh, the entrance was very, uh, you know, underwhelming. But the, the great part was the hotel is dog friendly. So I was actually able to bring the real MVP. No. Which is coffee. Wow. Yes. So she came with and she had a time, man. She ordered up room service. She, you know, just made a mess of the room. It was, she part of the <laughs> Oh, I'm just First melting all, right now. She, she does not seem excited to be on Wait, Tim and Friends. Right nervous, but also like the, the lights are bright. You, you, it's you, because I, you know what? She's a big uh, she's a big baseball fan. She's pretty upset with the Rob Manfred news and <laughs> what you guys were talking about earlier. So she's very subdued at the moment. Uh, but I, I know the, the the role is new, and I'm sure you know payroll takes a while. Like, are we not paying for heating over there? Why why is she wearing a hoodie or a jacket? What's going on? Okay, full disclosure: we just came in from a walk right before this uh, interview, and I didn't get a chance to uh, I didn't get a chance to you know derobe her. So okay. she, you know, it's a little <laughs> outside. It's, I heard you guys say off the top of the show it's December, right? So, yes, fair enough. Yeah. So I have a question uh, too, actually, before we get to some actual sports talk. Uh, I'm sitting. Uh, to the left of a fashion icon, and you have a reputation somewhat of a fashion icon yourself. You're wearing a jacket that it, it, I, I don't think I could pull off. Uh, DJ certainly could. How do I get to your level, your guy's level, in the fashion game? 
Okay, well, listen, here's the thing. I think DJ's the real deal. Uh, I'm, all smoke, I'm all smoke and mirrors. Jesse, I'll be honest. I was listening to you, and I think you mentioned fashionable as the descriptor adjective ahead of this interview like four that's, times. Yeah, that's I, right. yeah. I started getting anxiety. Dude, I was wearing, like, track pants and a hoodie, and I'm like, <laughs> I better change because Jesse keeps calling me fashionable. So I, I had to put on some nice jeans and a shirt, and I'm like, this jacket looks like I know what I'm doing. But no, man, smoke and mirrors, I'm telling you. And by the way, you look great. Thanks, and man. And you too. You two are a great combo, man. I've been watching you guys. You guys chirp each other. There's good banter back and forth. It might have to go from Tim and Friends to Tim and DJ and Jess. Well, <laughs> it's a bit lengthy, but uh, we'll, we'll, work, we'll work on the naming. Look uh, at the megaphone at the bottom. Yeah. Who's the best trust at Sportsnet? And Tim McAuliffe. Oh. It's <laughs> tough to see, but I mean, Tim McAuliffe looks so, like he's leading. I I have so many questions right now. One, is that the right Timmy? Are we talking about the right Timmy? Is great, there another Timmy? Great question. Two, yeah. uh, where is Sean McKenzie in this? Mm, uh, Sean. Interesting. Sean, other. Sean McKenzie's other? Sean's other. Other? Sean's other. Others, uh, <laughs> he's not going to be happy about that. Yes, I'm not happy respect. about that he's on, not on his be behalf. Happy about that. Uh, yeah, well, the, the best thing about being there is just running into like this, this you know, you guys know the industry is so small and mm. I've, I've worked with a lot of you. I used to be at the score way back in the day. I used to write for Tim and Sid. I was an intern for them in like 2006. So just running into like people in the building. I ran into Sean McKenzie the other day in the cafeteria. Like it's just it's cool because I've been at the other side. I've been at the three letter. I don't know if we're, we're allowed to say it here. Um, and then, of course, I came from CP24, which was Bell as well. So it's it's kind of cool to to see some old friends and, and meet some new friends here. It's been it's been a whirlwind, boys. Um, so, yeah, you, you, the, the media business is small, but yeah. you are also, I, I learned just before the interview, uh, somewhat of a movie star as well. So not only do you have your, your radio show now, you've been on TV a whole heck of a lot for years, uh, but you're also a movie star. You were in the movie Arrival. Uh, can you just talk about that a little bit, please? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you use the term liberally, clearly. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I used to do a bit of acting where, listen, it's not real acting because uh, I would only go for roles where I was playing like a reporter or an anchor or a sportscaster. So I was really just being me. Uh, Arrival was actually a really fun one. That was a Denny Villeneuve film and they filmed it in Montreal. So I went out there um, and, and Denny was great. Like he knew there was like 15 uh, reporters and anchors in this and you'd walk in the room and he was like, ah, oh, yes, Gurdip Alawalia, TSN. And I'm like, surprised you know who I am like you're dealing with all these legitimate stars and he had done his homework on all of us and uh luckily there was a teleprompter because it was a long piece of dialogue and I don't know if you guys have seen the movie but at the end they do this thing where there's like a montage of all these different reporters talking about what's going on with the aliens and all that and and they used me in that I didn't know if I'd end up on the cutting room floor but uh it worked out and the movie did really well I, I think it won an Oscar uh I didn't get invited to any parties though so I, I think if you know if you don't get invited to a party you're not a legitimate star, right? I think you're still just sort of a, a side piece, if you will. I'm going to have to do a rewatch. Apparently, yeah. yeah. I mean, you are now a legitimate star. You're walking out of cakes with confetti and somewhat. <laughs> so you're going to be in a couple of films, uh, you know, in the future. You're going to be in the, the score documentary right? Uh, yes. at some point as one of the many descendants of the score mafia. But also you could play in a film a Leafs fan because mm. you are a, a diehard uh, Leafs fan. You've got a jersey for yourself and your dog. So talk to me about the Leafs right now. Is this a bit of a mirage or what we're seeing right now? Is, is that real? You know, I'm, I'm 38 years old. I've been a Leaf fan since I was like four or five. So this has been a long-suffering relationship. I know, look, I, I'm, I'm not 50, so I haven't you know, been suffering through it since 67. But 
it, my excitement level, guys, the Leafs are playing maybe better than I've ever seen them play in my lifetime right now. My excitement level is two and a half out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm letting myself get because being a hardcore Leaf fan is, is literally like being in an abusive relationship. It's like I keep going back. I can't break the cycle. It's like all the friends see it and they're like, dude, you got to get out of this relationship. This is not healthy. It's not good for you. And I'm like, it's okay. You know, she's going to change. Like this time's going to be different guys. It's the definition of insanity, right? Like we keep going back and there you go. This is insanity right here. You've got the board up. Um, honestly, I don't know what to expect. I love seeing this in October, November, December, but you know when it would be better to see this April, May, and June. That's when I want to see it. And I, I heard you guys talking about the Raptors too. That's the perfect parallel. And I guess they broke through. I mean, Ovi and the Caps broke through. So maybe, but I think I just really want to mitigate the disappointment. It took me, uh, this Montreal collapse was the toughest of all. It was worse than Boston mm. because we were the underdog against Boston. So in a way, getting to game seven was a bit of a victory in itself. Montreal is not a good team. The way Montreal is playing now is more reflective of who they actually are. Last year was two months of them catching a heater. They were a flawed team. Carey Price was great. The roster was garbage. Um, it, uh, I mean, if I'm being frank, the roster was not very good. So uh, I, I want to see it in the spring. Um, that Montreal collapse, man, that one, that one still, you can still see the scar. Okay, so they've won 15 of 17. They have a different goalie this year. He's playing really well. Is there anything that they can do to shift your mindset where you're like, actually, you're watching, you're still watching the games, right? You're still watching the games, but you're not getting excited. I, I'm watching the games only because I'm not on the early, early morning schedule yet for the new right. gig. The the, uh, the consolation I made after the Montreal collapse, uh, and at that time I didn't know I was leaving CP2 for breakfast for, for CHFI, but the hours are the same. The consolation I've made is I am not staying up for weekday regular season games because what I used to do was, you know, come home after the show, catch a nap, stay up on a game night, watch the game, go to bed. So, you know, you're not at your best. You're, you're, you know, your sleep's all broken up. I'm not doing that for regular season anymore. I'll watch the Saturday night games, and I'll stay up if the playoffs happen. Well, the show is happening. CHFI mornings with Pooja and Gurdip. Mm -hmm. We're looking forward to it. Thank you so much for joining, and uh, don't be a stranger. Yo, guys, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. I'll jump on anytime you need me. I'm telling you, Tim and DJ and Jesse, let's work on the <laughs> See you, Gurdip. Your boys. Thanks. Movie star. Uh, movie star, big deal, celebrity. Looking forward to uh, him kind of really owning that slot in the morning. It should be fun. He just literally epitomized what we were just talking about in the last break. Yeah. How Leaf fans are just not having it, despite the fact that they're, like he said, he literally said they're playing probably the best hockey of his life as a Leaf fan. Doesn't matter to him. No. Doesn't matter at all. Not, I, don't, I don't blame him. It's staggering to me. I get it, but it's still staggering to me. Uh, okay, time for uh, Hockey Central on Sportsnet. Carolyn Cameron, Justin Bourne, and Mike Fuda standing by. As for us, we will be back in 60 seconds on Sportsnet 360 and hoping to catch up with Mark Scheifele. I mean, I didn't get any, like, actionable evidence or actionable instructions of how to dress better. He just said that I looked good. I'm going to need more than that. Take it a run with it. I guess, but I need more. Players who love the game and know the game better than Mark Scheifele. He was a student of hockey. I think their best player is Mark Scheifele. Mark Scheifele's been such a good player. I just love his overall game and how committed he is to the team. 
when you talk about some of the things that he does on the ice, it's all world. He's he's unbelievable. An excellent shooter, and that confidence is really developing in that regard. He's got a laser. Good, you think that feels? He's just absolutely emerged this year once again as one of the best offensive and defensive players in the National Hockey League. I'd take Shifley on my team any day. Joined now by Jets, Mark Shifley. Mark, uh, thank you so much for taking the time today. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. Uh, first thing I want to ask you. So last year you're playing in a in a bubble, and uh, there's Canadian. You're traveling among Canadian teams. But this year, you finally get to play against American teams again. What is it like being back out on the road with the team in, in more usual circumstances? I it, it's it's nice, you know. I wouldn't have said that a couple of weeks ago when I <laughs> when I uh, landed in Winnipeg and got told I uh, I tested positive for COVID. But uh, you know, it's nice to be able to go out for dinners to you know be able to do a lot more as a team. Um, you know, it's definitely changed a lot. So. Um, you know, I know a lot of us are, are very excited to kind of be back in a regular regime and um, a little more normalcy. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 been, uh, it's been great. How does that normalcy, but still obviously in the midst of a pandemic, as you mentioned, how does that translate to, you know, how the team is set up, how you approach uh, games every night? How different has this season been than mm. seasons prior? You know, it, it, you know I'd say this of the year felt so it was almost like culture shock because you know we went we went to the bubble obviously in Edmonton where you know obviously there's no fans and it's you know, you're kind of locked up in the hotel and then you know obviously last year where you know we're only in Canada we're not allowed to go out for dinner you're not really even allowed to you, you can't even see family you can go for like a walk outside um and then this year all of a sudden you know you go to your first preseason game and all of a sudden you're you know there's fans in the building again um, and I think I really noticed in the Minnesota game, all of a sudden it's obviously one of our rivals and it was intense, you know, we lost in, we lost in overtime. It was a, you know, back and forth game and, um, you know, kind of just one of those wild games where, you know, you really could feel how much, it, a, how much of a difference that having the fans in the building were, can make. So, um, it definitely was a big change and, but it's been, it's been awesome to obviously be in front of our own fans in Winnipeg and, um, you know, it's it's almost like you get a you know a rejuvenated sense of what what playing in the NHL is like. So basically, a quarter of the way through the season here, two weeks ago, you guys find yourselves in first place. Uh, the offense maybe has dried up a little bit. Uh, how do you get things going back in the right direction? Yeah, you know, we've had we have a we've had a tough tough schedule. You know, we've played a lot of games in a in a small amount of small amount of time. Um, you know, we've just had three days of you know kind of like you know, a day and a half off, um, and then had a practice day today. So it was nice to, you know, practice again and, and, and kind of get feeling good, get your body back in order, you know, get some good treatment on your body. And, um, you know, I think we, we know what we, what we, what we did when we were, when we were successful and, um, we know what we've, what we weren't doing when, you know, this last little bit that, you know, wasn't, uh, that, you know, obviously wasn't great. So we know, we know what we need to do. We know, uh, you know, what our identity is. And I think, um, you know, we're excited to, to have some rest and to get back playing. Anyway, we know we have a, you know, good test in, in Jersey tomorrow. So, uh, or against Jersey tomorrow. So, um, you know, we're excited to get back to our game. We, you know, we're, we, we tweaked a, a few things today. So, um, you know, just excited to play another game. 
So full disclosure for our viewers, Mark Sharfley is not having a power outage. Uh, <laughs> he's joining us from his car. So nice to do it because you know he was uh, looking after some foster dogs, which just lets us know that he's a better person than me and Jesse. <laughs> uh, but when I think of you, when I think of the amount of kids in the community that look up to you, that are, you know are, are mentored by you, I know how big and one of my young mentors, uh, Pimal Clemens, joined us earlier in the show. Mm -hmm. I, I know how big it was for me as a kid to have an, an athlete that I aspired to kind of be like. Uh, do you have memories of the same thing? Yeah, honestly, you know, Steve Eisman was my was my mentor. Um, you know, growing up, we were big Red Wings fans. So, um, you know, I actually, it was crazy. We we used to, us as a family, me, my brother and dad and sister would go to one Detroit Red Wings games, game a year. And it was literally in the nosebleeds of the nosebleeds, like literally the top of the, the top of the Joe Lewis arena is where we, where our seats were. And um, one time, one of the people that was sitting beside us said, hey, if you go walk over by the press box, You'll see Steve Eisman uh, walk down. He walks to this. He walks down the stairs a few, and then goes down these this stairwell back down to the room. So of course, right before the game ended, we headed over there and you know got to get our jersey signed by Steve Eisman. And you know, actually, it was probably like ten years later. I, I met him in St. John's and talked to him, and he said, you know, obviously I, I followed you. You know, you you have a great career ahead of you. And I was like, this is amazing. And I I, st I still remember. You know, the Steve Eisman playoff run where he was pretty much playing on one leg. Um, you know, it, it, you know, obviously the you know longest serving captain in history. One of those guys that, you know, I think every kid should look up to. And I, I know I did. And, um, you know, he's, he's someone that I definitely I definitely did a, a million papers on who you who who your role model is and, and all <laughs> that stuff. So I know every little stat about him. But um, he, was, he was one of those guys that I look up to and. And, you know, when I actually got to meet him in person, it was, it was pretty amazing. A mentor for many, for sure. Now, part of the reason we ask is because the Team Rogers Community Draft is helping kids across Canada get more from the game they love. Kids get drafted. We'll have the opportunity to learn from NHL pros like yourself, Connor McDavid, John Tavares, and Bo Horvat. Uh, parents of draftees will get $150 towards their kids' league fees. And parents can register uh, your kids today Very at cool. rogers.com backslash get drafted um so an amazing initiative there obviously and mark um before we let you go we got to discuss something that, that came to light it was last year uh you own two goats and their names are uh tiger and tom of course named after your two favorite athletes who uh i think probably when you boil it down are probably my two favorite athletes as well and, and they're best friends with your dog oliver so first of all uh how are things going with the goat situation <laughs> you know what they, they don't like the cold that much you know this is their first uh their first winter so you know they have a they have like a little pen and a door and a heat lamp and everything but um you know the weather's been a little a little more mild in winnipeg lately uh but when it when it dipped and there was a ton of snow for like a week they were like they had they had no business being outside they they so hated good. it so uh you know i i know uh you know they're they're, they're who are they named after i think both like the like the warm weather, you know, obviously Tom you know, moving to, to Tampa Bay and, and Tiger likes to be on a golf course, which is usually pretty, pretty nice weather out. So, uh, um, you know, but they're, they're hilarious. They're, you know, they're, they're just a bundle of fun. They're always excited to see you because whenever you see them, you know, you're bringing them food. So, uh, you know, they're, you know, they, they definitely bring a smile to your face. So my question is, especially in the circles that you run in, you bump into Gretzky or bump into MJ or bump into Le to LeBron and they're like, Dude, come on. Like, 
either get another goat or put me in the conversation. <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're not. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that cool. I, I don't. I don't run in the circles of you know Gretzky or or uh, or, or Michael Jordan. So you know, maybe if I meet them one day, maybe I'll, I'll tell them that story, and then they'll be like. I'll be golfing with them and they'll be like, Hey, like, sorry, you can't, you can't, you can't join our group now. Cause you didn't name your goats after me. Uh, one very quick follow-up. Uh, uh, did you happen to catch Tiger's press conference? He kind of uh, set the bar very low for himself on his comeback trail. Uh, do you think he's slow playing everyone? And are you expecting him to win the masters in April? Like me? <laughs> I think we all are. I think everyone, everyone's just so excited to see, you know, Tiger in front of him. You know, I think everyone saw the video of him taking swings. Um, you know, I think everyone wants him to, it, whatever tournament he plays in, I think every every person wants him to win it. I think probably even the guys he plays against probably want Tiger to win it. So, um, you know, it, it's exciting to see, though. Obviously, you know, we'd love to have a, you know, a full season of Tiger, but um, you know, to put him in any tournaments, I think it'll be it'll be the most watched golf of all time. So, um, you know, I think everyone's excited to have him back, have him healthy, and um, I'm definitely looking forward to see seeing him swing the club again in tournament. Aren't well, we all? Yeah, no question. And we were looking forward to talking to you. So thank you for yeah. making the time. You are the goat of mentoring, uh, <laughs> no, certainly, and a, a real stand-up dude for doing this in your car. So appreciate it. No, I, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Mark. Go Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and another reminder, the Team Rogers Community Draft is helping kids across Canada get more from the game they love. Register your kids today at rogers.com slash drafted. It is a real good initiative. Time for one last break. 100%. Last calls next as we talk Thursday Nighter and a salute to a broadcasting legend. Plus, some wild Man United and Arsenal highlights up next. Oh, man, I can't even better watch. <laughs> All right, man, you. Arsenal. United interim manager Ralph Rangnick in attendance, but still waiting for the paperwork to get sorted before he officially takes over 50 seconds minute we go tied at one Rasha playing it in there it is Ronaldo hits 800 will we ever see the like again Cristiano Ronaldo first player in history to score 800 competitive goals for club and country 800 2-1 United, but just two minutes later, ball squared into Martin Odegaard. First touch sneaks inside the far post. Arsenal strike back. It's tied at two. Ronaldo don't like that very much. 68. Ball played into the area for Fred. Odegaard. Poor challenge. Takes him down. Penalty awarded to United. Ronaldo at the spot. Oh, yeah. Cash money. Right up the middle. Goal number 801. Man United win a back and forth battle. 3 2. 8 1. Take the points. Well done. 8 1. Kev, try and top that in last call. I don't know if I'll be able to. That's, that's the real question. My goodness. Okay, let's get to last call. Uh, the Cowboys and the Saints, they square off this evening in Thursday night football. Cowboys expecting to get Amari Cooper back while well, the Saints, they're turning to Taysom Hill at QB, but they're also still going to be without Alvin Kamara, missing a fourth straight game. Jess, line sits at six and a half. It was at four earlier this week. Who you got? Uh, DJ's going to like this. I think you got to take the Cowboys. At some point, they're going to turn things around. They came out of the gate so hot this season, but have been 
stifled a little bit in the last two games, but just from a talent perspective, I understand the Saints have a really good D, but from a talent perspective, at some point, at some point, Dak's gonna get it going again. Tony Pollard's been a revelation. He's probably the better back in Dallas and should be getting the majority of the snaps. They're better, they have more talent. They should beat the Saints today, but Taysom Hill, wild card. Uh, wild card, he should just play tailback. Tailback, like, tight end. Like that's where they back. should put him. Uh, CD Lamb back, Mark Cooper yeah. back. Dallas should win this. Cowboys. And should cover. Cowboys roll. It's like Take in, it to the bank. It's like in the football episode of The Simpsons, for those who are aware, where Nelson just throws the ball to himself in the end zone. He's quarterback, he's wide receiver. That could be Taysom Hill. We don't know. <laughs> gotta, get, uh, Mark, gotta get Mark Ingram in the fantasy lineups, too, because Kamara's out. Gotta sure. remember that. 100%. Yeah, remember, don't forget. No. Rube's told you. Now, don't this is it. a crazy story that I want to share with you guys. A high school basketball team. They started a group FaceTime. They got one of the numbers wrong, and he called Buccaneers defensive end Sean Murphy Bunting, and he jumped in on the chat. Murphy Bunting <laughs> then handed the phone to several other players, including Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady. Pretty pretty awesome. Deej, <laughs> if you could accidentally call one athlete, who are you accidentally calling? Wow. Ooh, that's good. Uh, Serena Williams. Cool to talk yeah, to cool. Serena. Um, but I'm more stuck on the fact that he answered. Like, if I don't recognize yeah. a number for a phone call, you and me both. I don't answer. So a FaceTime, I might recognize the number. I might not answer a FaceTime. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that he answered it, I thought, is is hilarious. I almost want to take the time to apologize to everybody who, every time I don't pick up the phone, it's an unknown number. But like, usually it's a scam, right? Yes. Uh, Mark Shifley, by the way, would have freaked out if he talked to Tom Brady on FaceTime. Apparently, yeah. So, like, for me, uh, I'd probably say, I'd probably, Tom Brady's up there, but I'd probably say Tiger, given how much I just spoke about him in the last block, and I was talking to Mark Sheffy about Tiger Woods, so I'd probably say Tiger, but pretty cool. Tiger's boring. Like, I mean, not, like, he the is. documentary Tiger, not that Tiger, mm -hmm. right. but, like, the Tiger that we see is super boring. <laughs> that's right. Like, I don't think... What would you talk about? He wouldn't pick up. Like, that's the difference. Like, Sean Murphy Bunting picked up, whatever. Like, Tiger wouldn't pick up. No. So, and I don't know how much you'd be able to get out of him, but like based on the fact that we interview people for a living, like hopefully you'd be able to get something good. Like maybe just want to like help me with my wedge play or my putting or my drives, like anything. Or like what was it like to win the the Masters again? Uh, like just answer the question, Tiger, please. For me, it would be Vince McMahon, just so I could hear him go, "How you doing, pal?" <laughs> I just, I just want to hear Vince McMahon. Very good. Uh, Antonio Brown's been suspended for three games for violating the NFL's COVID protocols. Brown's former personal chef said earlier this month that the receiver obtained a fake vaccination card. Brown, he hasn't played since week six due to an ankle injury. Is this the end of AB in the NFL, Jess? It should be. Won't be, though. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, yeah. Like, there's absolutely no chance it will be, right? I mean, this guy, how many times... How many times in the NFL, and not just the NFL, there's many other leagues too, where talent takes precedent over everything else. And this guy's done a lot of bad stuff in his career in the NFL, still finds his way back. Is a COVID vaccination card gonna be the end of the line for Antonio no. Brown? The guy's still got a lot left in the tank, and unfortunately, depending on your opinion of the situation, he's probably gonna be back. How many times in the NFL? How many times in his career? How many times did I think he was done? I don't know, when he went on Facebook Live and filmed his coach talking badly about another team's ass. I don't know, when he basically striked because he couldn't wear his old helmet. Yeah. I don't know, when he made a mixtape of a conversation that he had with his coach that he recorded illegally and put it on the internet. 
I don't know, when multiple women came forward to say that he had inappropriate relationships with them and when he, they said that he owed them money. Like, there's been so <laughs> many Antonio Brown stories that giggle. I thought he was going to be canceled by. Mm -hmm. So this is just the most recent one. Are you surprised that given his relationship that we know uh, with Tom Brady, lived with him for a while, but even still be living with him, I haven't checked up on that in a while. Are you surprised that Brady didn't know about this and then shut it down? Because it feels like that, I don't know if that's, Brady's not doing it, it's not something that Brady would do. And I'm surprised as the leader of the team that he would let that happen, especially if he's living with him. Yeah, but sports is a great microcosm yeah. for life. And one thing we know is that you can convince people to do many things, but in terms of where they are on the vaccination, that is something that people are That's not right. willing to, right. to budge on. And so maybe even the GOAT wasn't able to uh, to get him to make a wiser choice. You're right about that. Just anything that happens with him, you could say, somebody in a locker room could say, like, boy, Brown really messed up this time. And then a wide receivers coach would go, pretty thin at wideout this week. And they That's go, right. ah, let's bring in AB then. Yeah. Talent trumps all. Uh, here's a crazy story, too. Arkansas Pine Bluff, they took on Iowa State in college basketball last night, and eh, it didn't go very well. At one point, Salton Bozeman called the timeout, and had his players run baseline to no. baseline. That's come on. During the game. What? Uh, they lost. They're 1-8 in the season. Deej, back in your playing days, did no. uh, your coaches <clears throat> make you, your teammates, do... Did you Have you seen anything like this? Two words for this. Transfer... Portal. <laughs> Get me to the, to the next school ASAP. Like, that's embarrassing. I, I know as a coach, you want discipline, you want teachable moments, but that's just embarrassing mm -hmm. your players. Are you going to go leave and watch more film in the middle of the game? Because this is on YouTube, coach. Yeah. Are you going to go recruit in the middle of the game? Because you recruited all those players. So I hate when people abuse power, and that's essentially what that was. Well, uh, I got news for you. They can't transfer anywhere because the team's one and eight. Where are you gonna go? Nobody's gonna want them. That's another issue that I have with this. The team's one and eight. Clearly they're not very good. Clearly the talent level doesn't stack up. So why are they running suicides in the middle of the game? Practice when there's time for practice. Talk about practice. The team isn't good. Well, but also they're not good. So making them tired mid-game is gonna be better. Yeah. No, but I would that's, I, like that's gonna okay. improve. It's basically indefensible. It, with any team. It's but dumb. To, it's it's dumb, dumb and it's indefensible. But if the team was 8-1 and one and they just didn't show up that game, they just didn't show up, they took the night off, they went out the night before, then at least you can quasi-rationalize it. It's like, okay, they didn't show up, they're taking things for granted, let's have them run. But the team's 1-8. They stink. That's I it. Why are they running suicides? I, I wouldn't do this. I'd be like, you run. Yeah. I, yeah there's no way us. I would do this. Yeah, you would transfer right. portal, and then everyone would say, well, unfortunately, there's nowhere to transfer because you're not good enough. Playing puck back in the day, I mean, they're not going to make you bag skate in the middle of a game. The coach says, all right, you played terribly, bag skate after the game. Even that's, in Miracle, that's, that's exactly what it is. Herb Brooks waited to the end. It was an exhibition game. He didn't have them do uh, goal line to goal line in the middle of the game. It was after the game. Again. After Remember? the game. Yes. Oh, yeah. Again. Yes. Again. Exactly. Again. <laughs> uh, legendary Canadian broadcaster Brian Williams is retiring after a, count it, 50-year career. 50. Williams, of course, best known for his work covering the Olympics and the CFL. Deej, so many memories to choose from. Does one kind of stand out for you? I don't know about one. I mean, Sid does a great uh, Brian Williams impersonation. He does, so, yeah. So maybe it was just that. 
Uh, he's a trailblazer, a, a, a trendsetter in, in some ways. And I remember, I'm sure you guys have had it, the thing that executives do at the beginning of your career where they're like, so what, what broadcaster do you, you want to be like? And I'm like, I kind of just want to be like myself. No, but, but really, but what broadcaster yeah. you want to be like? So you make up an answer. Um, but but for me, when you look at what he did, the breadth of what he did, from Woodbine to the CFL to the Olympics, all making it look super easy, which if you watched this week, you realized it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that he would have such great sit-down interviews. Yeah, like, you know, for me, I was like, I want to be the black Brian Williams. So um, hat tip to him because he's been doing it so, so long at a high level. Hat tip indeed. And he's almost one of those guys that, like, it's just too good to try and emulate. Yeah. It's like, how could you? Because if you, if you try and hold yourself to that standard, it's basically impossible to become the next Brian Williams. So. You're setting the, the bar in, incredibly high for yourself. It's like, oh, you're a quarterback. I, I want to be like Tom Brady. Okay, good luck with that. Probably not going to happen, but like you can try. Same thing with Tiger Woods. It's going to be difficult. The amount of study that has to go in for the Olympics every two years for yeah. Brian Williams, particularly when some of this information not easily attainable, that's amazing, amazing words. So hat to Brian Williams. Wish you all the best in no retirement. Doubt. Uh, a little bit, of, a little bit of a different story. BetOnline.ag conducted a store, a study analyzing one month of Twitter data to see which NBA fan bases complain the most about officiating. Laker fans, number one. Raptors fans, they're third last when they comes to complaining about referees. So they complete, they, they complain the third least. The third least. That's the least, not true. The least there is the Portland Trailblazers. And the Thunder are right below the Raptors. Uh, Jess, do you believe the study? No. Maybe I'm in a vacuum because I'm in Toronto and I watch Raptors games more than anyone. But that can't be true. Raptors fans, Raptors fans get mad about everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Calls here, charges. Everyone's always out to get Canada and the Raptors. If you go on Twitter. So, it, no, I don't believe it at all. Oh, I, I don't believe it's accurate, but the only way I could see it is depending on how you're getting your data. Yeah. So, if you're looking at how it's much they complain about the refs relative to other things, and maybe that's true, because they do complain about the league a lot and what what day they're playing on or what channel they're playing on. So, I, so maybe, it, it, depending on how they're doing their studies, I could see it, but we do complain. That was, you know what? That was a very nice way to rationalize it, <laughs> but unfortunately... I still don't believe the study at all. <laughs> and that's it uh, for us today, uh, Kev. We'll get to your card piece tomorrow because we're all going to be here again tomorrow. The Hawks and Caps about to get going on Sportsnet while the Flames and Kings go later regionally on Sportsnet West and on Sportsnet Now. Meantime, we have an NBA doubleheader on Sportsnet One starting with former Raptor DeMar DeRozan and the Bulls taking on the Knicks at MSG. You have a great night and we'll talk again tomorrow.